Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Podcast number one twelve on this on this episode. My guest is Chris Ice of Ice Implement, and Chris and I have kind of talked back and forth a few times on some different stuff. and And he's always been a uh, guy that's uh, been out there on the old Twitterverse and and uh, engaged back and forth a few times. So I wanted to grab him and see if I couldn't get his opinion about what was happening in the equipment marketplace and what it looked like out there for his neck of the woods. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good, Good to see you. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate that. So, let's uh, let's start with uh, what who Chris Ice is and what Ice Implement is. Well, Chris Ice would be part owner of uh, of Ice Implement in Two Rivers, Wisconsin. So we're up in Northeast Wisconsin, really close to the lake. So we're we're about a half an hour south of Green Bay. Mike, um, I own half the business with my cousin. So um, we bought it in 2014. My dad had passed away, and a year later, we decided to buy it, and um, so here we are. Right on, man. So let's talk a little bit about um, how many how many locations do you guys have? What uh, what's we your crop mix? We have a single mix? store location. Okay, single store, right on. Yeah. Okay, and then talk to me a little bit about your crop mix and, and what that looks like up in your neck of the woods. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a lot of dairy. I mean, we have really, for us, there's, it's basically wheat, beans, corn, um, that's the main stuff. And then really for us, it's, we're, we're primarily dairy and we're in, we're in big milk country, which has been a bit of a challenge over the last four years. So, um, but that's been the biggest thing. So, I mean, I, it's a pretty standard, standard mix of, of crop and, and milk producers. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that. So the, the milk business is a, it is either you have, it's either a fat, a feast or a complete famine. There's like, there's, seems to be no real middle ground in there. And, no, and, no, and, and it's right now, or really over the last few years, it's been getting to a point where guys are, we're seeing a lot of small family farms having a real hard time just because milk's been, they're working 24-7 and the milk isn't really paying the bills at this point. So, um, you know, in 14 and maybe even 13, milk was real high and it was, it was booming. I mean, it was busy, you know, and then just like that in 15, everything hit and, and uh, guys aren't, guys are barely, barely breaking even or not breaking even on their milk right now, which in our area is kind of a big deal that way. Um, you know, if you go a little south of here, there's a lot more cash cropping. We do, a lot, we do quite a bit of cash cropping as well, but milk is a, dairy is a big deal by us. Yeah. So how has that affected your overall product mix that you deal with now so i'm sure you're probably a chopper dealer you probably have you know a, a few of those 8,000 series choppers running around you got some of the new ones coming out talk to me a little bit about that marketplace and, and how do you see it shaping up well actually in the chopper end to be honest we are not a chopper dealer they, they you know and that's got to be 15 years ago maybe now I'm, I'm thinking um they really got some down to about four dealers in the state that actually only handle the chopper the forge pro contract so um we had always sold three to four choppers a year 
um, and they decided that they wanted to consolidate it down to some dealers. So I actually don't have that big stuff sitting around to try to move, which is not really, I don't really mind that much. Not that bad of a deal. Uh, <laughs> but our, our mix is primarily big roll crop tractors, utility tractors. Um, you know, combines is, is, is a big deal, but we don't, you know, we don't sell a ton of combines. I mean, it's, we're not in that big, that big, big cash crop market. You get two hours south of us and then down to, you know, I-1, things like that, different story. But like around by us, I mean, it's, uh, everybody's got combines, but there's more custom guys doing their cropping. And so it's not as big of a deal as it, as it, as it is maybe south of us. But yeah, it's primarily, you know, uh, utilities, eights, nines, sixes. We actually do a lot of sixes, a lot of fives as well. So, mm-hmm. So when you look at your product mix right now and, and some of the, the the bigger row crop items, let's start right there. Let's start with row crop tractors. Let's take a look at that. How are your, your customers looking at, I guess the best the question I'm trying to ask you is, I'm looking out right now and I'm seeing the reaction in our business. And, and, and what I'm seeing is that 2012, 13, 14, 15 model, whatever it is, whether it's John Deere case, whatever, it doesn't matter. Guys have been sitting on that stuff for three, four, five years, um, kind of waiting for the market to rebound, some cash to come back in, on-farm income to come back up, so on and so forth. Hasn't really done that. Um, you know, 20, I look at it 2019, and I kind of see a similar 2018 kind of replaying itself. Don't see a, a big difference in overall on-farm income anyway. Um, but guys have ran their machines with, you know, the proverbial wheels off the off of it, and now they're down to having to either make some serious updates you know when it, when it comes to the reconditioning costs or they're going to have to take that money and put it down payment on a new one or new to them yep. whatever it might be so when you look at your your product mix and you see everybody that's that's what's going on out there do you see a similar thing that's happening or do you feel like you know hey it's just you know it is what it is no it's completely similar i mean we've we've to give you one example, I mean, we've got a tractor we had in our in a rental fleet um, that we had. A, we have a canning company that does business with us. We just switched that over here this year, and we did leases with them where it used to be a, a canning company rental. Um, you know, we got a 2015. It's not classified as new anymore, but I have a 2015 8295R, 400 hours on it, and you can't move it. And I'm looking to take losses on it just to get it moved, and you can't even get bites on it. It seems like what I've been seeing is that 150 plus market seems to be tough, you know, especially in the newer, but if you can get down under that, around that hundred, where we've been having good success moving good used equipment, but boy, you get 150, 200,000. It's just, it, it's tough. It's really tough. And to your point, I have been telling a lot of my guys, a lot of that too. I think the problem is when it does gradually come back, you better be careful what you're looking at. Because everybody should have fixed things years ago. Right. Um, probably ran things a lot longer than they should have. And now we're going to be the guys trying to pick up the pieces and figure out how much work we got to do on it when we get it back in. So it's not going to be an easy market, I don't think, either when it does come back. Yep. So a trend that I'm paying more attention to it now than I had in the past, it is, it's the product mix of the year. Not necessarily the machine, but the year. And I'm looking at the the 18, the 17, the 16 model stuff and kind of watching how it's how it's doing and filling those voids of that late model low hour stuff. And then you start looking at, you know, 2015, I kind of consider to be a, a tweener right now, depending on how it's been used and how many hours are on it and those kind of things, you're really going to start seeing that machine kind of go one way or the other. What I'm worried yeah. about is the, the 14s, the 13s, and the 12s 
all that stuff kind of hitting the marketplace again. Um, when it, back in the day when it was the late model low hour stuff, we had a hard time moving it and we, you know, 14 to 15 was a bloodbath and we, and we took that stuff to auctions and everything else. Now that stuff's gonna be coming back in with 3,000 to 5,000 hours on it, you know, depending on what it is. And there's gonna be a void that you're gonna start seeing between that, that 1,500 hours and less, then there's gonna be, I, I feel like there's gonna be a giant gap till you get to about 3,000 hours. What's your, yeah. what's your thought on that and kind of what do you think, I mean, am I, I'm spitballing here, do you feel like that's a, a viable trend to pay attention to? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, we've got, I think what I'm probably a little bit more scared of even on that end of things is that on our end, you know, being a single store, we're not, you know, we're not running 30, 40 tractors through in a year. So, um, and what we're running into now is we have a lot of guys that maybe didn't update. I'm a little more scared about what we're going to get with huge hours on stuff where, you know, years ago, you go back 15 years ago, 3,000 hours on a tractor was a lot. You know, guys are complaining about, you know, that. And now three to four to five is nothing anymore. Guys, are, guys aren't guys are seeing. But, I'm, but I'm, what I'm seeing is more and more guys with nine, 10, 12,000 hours on stuff. And really, there's not a lot of market there. Problem being, uh, what you're talking about also, you get in the 15 to 2,000 hour range. What do you do with that? There seems to be a big drop in price. And the problem is trying to tell the customer that they're going to eat that bad it's been a tough conversation to have, but when you look at the market, it's only bearing what it's bearing and we can't really bury ourselves in that stuff. So it's been, it's been tough. It's been tough to tell guys the low hour tractors or where they really are at or where the market's at compared to what they think they want to get for it. So yep. it's, yeah, I think there's a definite void in there with, with ours for sure. Yep. I think that that's, that's the one thing about that trend that I, I'm going to be a little bit cautious about. Maybe it's, it's the, it's the fact of what you're going to see, on that late model, low hour stuff, and, and the amount of premium that either you're going to be anticipating that you're going to get, or the the lack of premium that you're going to be anticipating on the other stuff. I mean, either yeah. way, you could bite off way more than you chew on either side. You could either be way too little on one side and way too much on the other. Measuring that and balancing that is going to be a hard hard thing to do. So, what are some of the things that you do when you're looking at equipment and kind of tracking some trends and kind of looking through what you've sold in in past history and stuff like that? How do you, how do you really put that trend together and, and really start paying attention to what's going on out there? Oh yeah, that I think that's the million dollar question. I mean, it, it's it, what I've been trying to do is just go all, go over, look at some history, look at really some auction some auction stuff, and see ones. Hey, what's this stuff been bringing for similar year trackers? Where they've been on there? Because as a dealer, I feel like we should get a, a little bit, you know, obviously a premium over what an auction is going to get. Um, I think been trying to utilize things like iron connect and things like that quite a bit more um, just to try to get a good feel for hey, where's this market at what are guys doing what are guys willing to pay and i think the more information i can pull whether it be auction whether it be wholesale market whether it be resale market pull it all together and kind of make your i, I think you've got to kind of just have a gut feeling on where you need to be with it I, but i the other thing we've been doing a lot of is telling my my sales guys listen find some homes you're gonna have to go hit some guys up and say hey what are these guys willing to pay because we can't we can only trade it in based on what other guys are going to pay you can't trade it in based on a gut feeling of oh god we're going to get this and then find out six months from now eight months from now that we're priced way out of the market so it's not been easy for sure right no it's been a uh we're, and we're the same the same with us you know we're we're seeing some um some areas that that are a little more 
steadfast and we start looking at how guys are coming to the marketplace and they're looking to buy certain things right now for us it's combine selling season you know so guys are out buying yeah. combines or looking at combines or doing all the use on the use side anyway really looking at that stuff and, and trying to really pin that down and, and, and figure out where that market needs to be at um, again I've, I've looked at so many pieces of equipment here in the last two weeks that my uh, fear of the the 15, the 13, the 14, the 12, and those, it's kind of coming true. I'm starting to see that stuff kind of yeah. fall in. And yeah. um starting to see some some 30 series tractors pop up that have got, like you said, 6,000 to 9,000 hours on them. Um, and, where you know, they've had them since 2009 or 2007 or whatever it was. You know, so they've really kind of bared down on those and, and really and used them. You know, they were like, you know what, it's paid for now. Economy's kind of falling off. I've got a chance to to just kind of keep this thing running and it's going to do what I need to do, so on and so forth. But now they want to trade it in. And those gaps between trade value and, and what a one- or two-year-old piece to replace it with is is, is actually the, the trade difference is, is actually greater than what the machine they're trading in is worth. And that's, a, yeah. and that, that's something that I'm having a hard time getting guys to get their heads wrapped around. Um, what, what's your kind of what's your approach to that and how are you uh, making that work? Well, I mean, I, I was just taking everything. I, I've really kind of looked at it and said, take everything on an individual basis and try to just figure out, okay, you know, and again, you know, being on a single store basis, I'm not having as huge of a mix. So I think, you know, but, but the other problem we're running into is the haves and have nots. You know, you've got in our dairy market, We've got a lot of guys in that 250, 200 cow dairies that used to be really good guys to buy some of the that 2012, 2013 stuff. Now they have no money. So the, trying to move that to the bigger guy doesn't seem to work either. So it's been tough, and I think what we've been trying to do is keep a pretty good log of when we got guys looking for stuff, trying to be really proactive to make sure that we're keeping a log and keeping a keeping a database of, hey, this guy was looking six months ago. That guy's looking now and trying to just kind of find homes for stuff. I, I don't, I would say I'm probably farthest away from a magic bullet that there is with some of that stuff. We're just trying to sift our way through and find out where we're at and what we can, where we can go. And I guess the biggest thing that we've been really trying to do is find, find some prospects and then get it, get some information in their hands when we got stuff that we're thinking about trading in because it's not as on the higher end as like, as you're dealing with a lot, we're not having quite that many things to have to try to get rid of. But at the same token, it's just the same thing on a smaller scale. So, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So the area that you, that you're up there in, um, where you're at, what, what's the overall used equipment inventories across all, all makes and all models, you know, out there. So you, all the dealerships that are out there, do you feel like there are, equipment's pretty heavy on lots or do you feel like there's some holes in, in inventories guys are looking to fill or do you feel like it's just kind of a you know easy easy kind of going type feel right now not sitting horribly bad i mean we've got a couple higher end stuff that's that's been a little bit but not too bad um from what i've seen from some of the other dealers i would say for a while they weren't sitting real bad and now it seems like there's a little more inventory out there again um it, like you say i think we've had a lot of haves and have nots where you've had the bigger guys spending big dollars and then the little, the, the, the medium sized guys really not spending anything. So there's been a lot of bigger equipment sold and then some bigger equipment traded in where I think some of that, that 150 to a hundred to 200 horse tractors 
really haven't been traded in as much. And I think there's a gap in the market there by us anyway. It seems like that kind of tractor, there's still a market, a good market for where, you know, you guys might be a lot more big eights, nines, types, type of stuff like that. And we're kind of missing, I think, that little middle of the road market. But that being said, that middle of the road buyer too is is just sitting there with no money either. So it's 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 a it's a tougher market. But if I feel what we've been seeing is anything in that, you know, you get 140 on down, and there's been a market there across the country, and that's it may not be local, but you get it on get it online, and there's guys calling about it. So there's pockets everywhere it seems. What do you feel like is the hottest piece of equipment right now out there for you? What do you think the one thing that guys are like, you know what, man, this is a, I got a home for this pretty, pretty immediate. And then there's. I think what I've been seeing is if we have good 30 series tractors, okay. uh, 79, 30, 78s, um, even, you know, 84, 10, 20s, 30s, that stuff's all been great. Problem is you can't find them. Right. And the guys that have them don't want to get rid of them. Exactly. Yep. So that's been the issue. But if you have them, you got guys kind of fighting over those. I mean, I know a couple of guys locally have been trying really hard to get him into an R because I know he's got an 8410 and I got a handful of guys that could go to, won't give it up. Yeah. Just just won't give it up because it's tough to replace. Right. So it's cheap horsepower. It really is. Yeah, very know? much so. I mean, you're, I mean, they're cheap to operate too. I mean, they're not really, a, they're pretty bulletproof. I mean, yeah, very much. As long as they don't have some kind of catastrophic failure, I mean, for the most part, they'll run forever, you know? Yeah, and they're that, simple. absolutely. That's what you've been seeing. And they're simple. You know, that makes a big difference, yep. too. So, yep. So what's the one What's the one piece of equipment that you're watching right now, one segment that you're watching right now that you have some concern about uh, moving into 2019? Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's combines. I think combines are going to continue to be tough. Mm -hmm. Um what I see is like we got something there and you want to try to move something on a newer end. The the problem is the market being so flooded with that. I mean, you turn around and look at a used S660 or an S670. There's so many of them out there that to try to move that new one and the guy's got a 9770, just had a, a, a situation like this and got a nice demo 670, try to move. Should be good merchandise. But then he still looks at the gap of where a 9770 is to that S670 and says, well, yeah, but I, I can't pay that when I can go and pay half that for a nice used one with $500 on it. Mm -hmm. And I think until that market, that market starts to dry a little bit, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Unless you can get a guy to want to buy something local all the time, it's hard for him to spend a hundred grand, $150,000 more to buy that new or slightly new piece in your area when they can drive when they can go over a place where someplace that's got 20 stores and they got 50 60 combines sitting around and they got them all priced so much less yeah i think that's that's the gap i've been seeing you know you, you see guys that want to you might spend four hundred and eighty thousand dollars for a new 670 and then they're looking around saying well i can find a two-year-old one for 160 uh, tough for him to spend that extra money right now when it's not there. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I'm concerned with. And then trying to explain to the guy that, hey, your 9770 is worth here. And they're looking at it going, oh my God, it can't, it's got to be worth more than that. Well, it is only if you can find somebody to buy it for that. Right. So yep. I, I, those are tough. And I think the really, your eights, nines that are really low ordered, again, that's another tough market because you've got to have a gap there or guys aren't going to do it. They're just not going to pull the trigger. Yep. So. And that's my anything has been tough. That's my fear with with what I've been that trend I've been following is that that gap 
between that 500 hour piece, that 1,000 hour you know, tractor or that 750 hour combine or less, it's just a, there's just a huge gap till you get to the next real collective population of, of machines, you know? And that's what yeah. I'm really worried about. And, and then like you just, just the scenario you laid out there, some guy comes in with a 9770 and he wants to buy a, a, a 2016 whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, hey, it's going to cost you another 250 grand to do that or whatever the number is, you know. Yeah. It's, it's some shock to that. And there's, there's a, how do you get people to uh, really line up with that and, and understand that logic? Now, I think most guys out there, they've been watching the auction market. They've been watching the, they look at Tractor House and Fast Line and, and Machine Repeat and all that stuff. They, and they've watched all that stuff and they've got all that knowledge. They, and they, no, yeah. they know what it's worth. Um, because I get that all the time. I can go to the auction and buy this for that much, and I go, but yeah, okay, well, <laughs> go to the auction. Oh, and, <laughs> you know? and, they, and, and, and you know how that works on, on tractor house and everything else. Oh, yeah. They, they go ahead and they look at the, they look at the one that, that's the most, and they're like, well, how come I'm not getting that? Mm. But then when they're looking to buy, they're looking at the one that's the cheapest. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it can't win either way, but, you know. <laughs> You're right. Yep. It's a it's a fun game we play, that, that's for sure. Oh, yes. That is yes, for sure. It certainly is. All right, so let's talk about 2019. Um Let's talk about going through the rest of 2018. I have a pretty good – I'm kind of bullish about how the end of the year is going to going to fill up. I, I really feel like there's going to be a lot of activity between now and the end of the year, more probably so than we've seen, you know, from pre-harvest stuff till till now. I mean, I really feel like this, this last month is going to be a, a, a rush to the door. Um, unfortunately, there's some uh, crop – harvesting that's kind of lagging out there and getting guys to yeah. slow down. And I mean, there's just all kinds of things that have happened this year, whether it's what, you know, all weather related stuff. So, um, but I do, I do, I do feel like there's going to be a, a pretty good push to 2018. What's your feel for the end of the year and how do you see things shaping up? Yeah, I, I we're kind of starting to see it a little bit. Um, at this point, I mean, we're starting to see guys really starting to nose around a little bit, but like you say, there's been so much lag and getting crop work done that, guys are finally getting done and now they're hitting the accountants and things like that. Problem being, I think that you're going to have, you're either going to have the guys that, that find out they've got a little bit of extra money. They're going to need to spend something and they're going to buy the stuff that they absolutely need. I just don't see too many luxury buys, you know, too many want buys. Oh, it's going to be a buy of, Hey, I need this and I've needed it for a while. Now I got to do it. Um, so I don't think there's going to be a lot of guys maybe doing the, where it used to be where, hey, I got to spend some money, I'm going to buy a new tractor. It might be a guy that comes up and says, hey, my spreader finally blew up, now I got to buy a new $50,000 spreader type thing like that. I, I, don't, I don't know how big of, we've got some guys on some bigger equipment, um, but it seems like it's such pockets. You, know, you got a few guys here and there that want, they're looking for something bigger. It depends what they do. It's not the dairy guys for sure. Um, but I think it'll be decent. I mean, it, it, but I, I'm with you. I kind of feel like guys are kind of just sitting on their hands a little bit. And they're doing some research. And then all of a sudden the last two weeks in December, they're going to be like, Oh, I have to do this or I have to do that. And it's going to be kind of quick and fast. And, you know, I, we'll take that too for the way it's been. We'll take whatever we can get when it comes yep. to that. So, yep. yep. So how has leasing affected you this in 2018 compared to 2017? We've done a lot more. I mean, we've had, we've been fortunate to have a market that's had, had a lot of old money, uh, frankly. I mean, we, years ago, we didn't even do that many notes. Guys are paying cash for everything. And then it started, you know, as this whole trend started, it was, it got into a lot of, 
okay, now guys are financing everything. It started to be more and more guys are financing, more and more guys. And then all of a sudden, leasing got really big for us again, where leasing really wasn't a huge deal in our area for quite a while. And now it's getting to be, you're, you're putting together lease numbers on just about everything uh, to give guys an idea of, of where they're at. It just seems to be a more viable thing for some guys. Um, they can cut bait after three years if they want to or whatever. Um, but even have had a lot more used leases have always kind of been a little iffy to me, but now you got guys even looking at used leases and things like that too. So, but um, yeah, there's most pretty much everybody's been having to do some kind of financing of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. So 2019, I feel like when I look at it, um, I think some spillover is going to go into January and February, um, especially if guys carry over a little bit of crop into, into those years and, and have some issues they're going to, have to address um, again. It's going to come back to how much how much duct tape and bailing wire they've used over the last three years, and now they got to actually do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I, I feel like there's going to be some spillover in January and February. I don't think it's going to be anything like it was. You know, just like any other year. I really don't think it's going to be anything like it was the last month of the year. But uh, I do feel like there's going to be some there. How do you feel about 2019, and and how do you see your your company kind of working and looking forward to 2019? Well, I mean, I think I think it's it's a it's a scenario where you're still seeing a lot of guys playing catch up. I mean, next year I don't I don't believe it's going to be a whole lot different than this year. I mean, maybe towards the end. Um, I think there's so many things hinging on whether it's going to, you know, all this China stuff, all the other things that are going on, is affecting so many the outcome of some things. But I do think even if that gets resolved, you're still looking at a lag because people in this market have gotten so far behind right. and now maybe they, they start playing, and especially in the dairy market where guys have gotten that far behind. Now they're going to replace what they have to, but then they're also going to get caught up on bills. And I think once you see that gap close a little bit to, to getting the bills paid and maybe being able to replace a few things, then I think you'll see a more, more wholesale turnaround where guys are going to be on a more regular buying spree again. But I just, I don't see a whole lot of difference in 19 business wise for us. We've been pretty tame on inventory, trying to keep what we know, you know, has been hot and we'll sell it. Like grain drills have been kind of good merchandise. Um, Tractors are front three point PTOs have been good merchandise for us here. Triple mores, that kind of stuff we're trying to keep around because we know that's going to be something that's going to have to be replaced. But really, other than that, we've been taking a pretty conservative approach on on that end of things. Just I think for another year yet, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. Do you feel like there's been more of a traditional buying cycle have has kind of come back into play? Do you feel like there's more guys looking at that combine for two or three years and that tractor for three to five years type of deal? Do you feel like that's kind of starting to mold its way back in, or do you still feel it's kind of an as needed basis? I, I definitely think it's as as needed yet right now. I I, I don't see too many guys um, doing the hey let's 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 buy this machine let's worry about it and let's let's do a three year turn or a two year turn or whatever. Not many guys talking about that right now yet. I, I think it's it's still people are just real real sheepish to get to get too deep in anything right now yet. Yeah. How how are extend warranties playing for you now? And you feel is that kind of a a carte, carte blanche, just everybody gets it type of deal, or is you still kind of a, some guys are on the die still? Yeah, I, you know, we've been trying to make sure that we're, we push it on everything. I mean, uh, and explain to guys why it's necessary and why it's a good idea. I think, you know, when you get the guys spending that kind of money, what's another three, four grand on, you know, for a tractor to get power guard on it or whatever. It's not, I think most of the guys are doing it. You still get some guys though that, you know, you're in on deals and then 
if you price it in there, you're going to put it in there right away. They, they notice there's a difference in price from the next guy. So you got to be careful to, to not just, you won't get it if you're just putting it in there. But, um, I think more guys are understanding it's a necessity and they're finding out how, especially like on the deer end of things, how they like to handle things. If you do have power guard and the benefits you can have, even if you're outside of it just a little bit. So I, I think we've been real proactive to try to make sure that we're pushing it on every deal that do everybody, does everybody take it on every deal? No, but it's a lot more, it's a lot heavier take rate. I think than it had been years past. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice you give to anybody listening to this right now about, where, where you see things going and, and some of the stuff that you're kind of up against and how you're handling those? Well, I mean, I, I think I think the biggest thing right now is just really, I, I think what we've been finding out is it's just we've got to do the research on it. We've been really pounding it into our sales guys' heads that sell me on it. You know, I mean, I'm probably not telling you anything that you don't that you haven't seen already, but I've been really been adamant on guys taking videos, taking um, doing a lot of different things that maybe in the past you'd get away with not doing. And now I'm like, you need to do it because I need to see, because we, we get this thing in here. We can't have a $5,000 hiccup on a repair that we didn't think was there. Right. And I, I think that, that extra money that you got to put into something is something you're not getting out of it. So you, you got to be careful. And I think my big, my big play right now is to watch all this high over stuff that's going to enter the market. I think at some point in time and be extremely careful because you know damn well right now there's been a lot of duct tape and paper clips like you're saying holding a lot of things together we know it now you got to make sure you look at it because otherwise you're going to get it back and you're going to be stuck with some probably some junk you don't want to have yeah so you gotta be i think that's that's the, my problem that i see in the market right now is guys have waited longer than normal to trade stuff in and now we gotta be careful yep no i, I agree we had a combine just the other day that very scenario happened i I budgeted about thirteen thousand or fifteen thousand bucks worth of recon in there, and, and we were, God bless, me and the and the other guys that did that and put that in there. But we were still five thousand dollars short, and it wasn't like, oh, well, we're gonna go out and we can we can bicker with the service guy and get it get it knocked down. It was legitimately needed to be done. Like there was no way around it. So yeah, uh, it's, and it's one of those surprises that kind of jump up and kick you in the face, and and you know. There's probably some processes there that we need to put in place to, to, to imagine to keep that going the way it needs to be. But it, you know, it is what it is, and you got to move on. So, yeah, absolutely, it happens to everybody. All right. Well, Chris, we've been going for a little bit here, man, and I appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, if guys wanted to reach out to you and and pick your brain or ask you a question or maybe uh, buy that that demo combine from you, how would they do that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Anytime. How would they How would they reach you? Um, easy way to get a hold of me is uh, you can reach me on Twitter at, at Iceman34, that Twitter. Um, or you can reach me at uh, my email, it's, which is C E I S, and it's at iceimplementinc.com. So iceimplementinc.com, and that's E I S. Right on. All right, Chris, wait, man, I appreciate you being on the podcast, and we will catch you down the road, buddy. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, take Good care. You. you too, bud. Take care. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. You will be able to hear Dryline Farmer Podcast, 
Girls Talk Ag, the Top Soil Podcast, Ag News Daily, Working Cows, Heifer Please, and Throwback Iron. Please visit the movingironllc.com website. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. You can also find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century.